producer Jeff Blair, co-host of Blair and Barker. How are you feeling on this beautiful Friday morning with baseball to be played? Not rusty. Good. But, yeah, uh, you're never rusty. Always grinding. I don't know about that. Yeah, always grinding. Yeah, that's my story. I'll stick to it. <laughs> Well, I, I love listening to you guys um, deal with the fan base, which has been up and down um, during your post-game calls. It's been more down, let's be honest. Yeah, it has been more down. Um, but, I mean, there's still a chance. And, you know, yesterday I think we were a little bit more heated, uh, myself personally. And today I'm feeling, and I don't like to say it, but like a little bit apathetic, right? It's, it's just like how much more can we expect from this team? There's a mountain ahead of them, and they haven't given a lot of, positive signs that they can win 11 of the next X amount of games or 10 to make it to this playoff push. Uh, how are you evaluating what this team has left to give, if anything? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I mean, I hate to sound like, you know, the manager giving his team a speech, but I, I really do think it's a matter of going, God, this is going to sound like such a cliche. I'm not going to say going day to day. I'm going to change it and say it's a matter of going 1-0 tonight. Mm-hmm. How about that? Mm-hmm. Um, it, look, that that's really that's really the only approach this team can take. I mean, they're you know they're well aware of where they are. Um, they're well aware of 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 what you know stands between them and a playoff spot. Uh, as it is right now, best case scenario is they back in. They're going to need help from others, obviously, to get that done. All they can do right now is make sure the situation doesn't get any worse. And how do you do that? You do that by winning. Like, you've dug yourself a hole. You're going to need somebody to reach down and pull you up. And until they do that, the smartest thing to do is put the shovels away and just don't dig the hole any deeper. Right? You know, it's like it's like sending out a, a distress signal that you're lost and then walking around, right? Well, wait a minute. Just stay in one spot and we can find you, you know? And I think that's kind of that's kind of where this this team is right now. Uh, do I have confidence that what I just said is going to make any difference? Probably not. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I don't even know if it's worth looking at the opponent, but I, I think one of the worst things going on right now, at least in terms of like, okay, shelving the past and looking forward, Tampa Bay Rays are one game behind the Baltimore Orioles. The Blue Jays Correct. play the, the Rays mm-hmm. six times. You don't think yes. those are going to be some highly competitive games where you're going to see a really motivated opponent? I mean, we're not there yet. You got to get through Boston first. Maybe it's not even a worth talking about if they drop three in a row against Boston. It doesn't really matter what's going on in the last four series. I wouldn't expect, but... How, how much of it is just like, is it exclusively just looking at yourselves? Like, it does not matter who the opponent is coming in. Everyone with the Blue Jays needs to be able to look at themselves and improve individually for all of this to sort of come together when it needs to. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if, I, I don't know if they can improve. I mean, they are what they are. I, I think my friend, Mr. Barker, said it best. This is about hoping that the pitching holds up and getting one <clears throat> getting one good swing with somebody on base and maybe winning a game 4-2 or 4-3 that's really where where we are uh, i don't think that you're going to see any sudden offensive explosion um you know matt chapman when he was hurt wasn't hitting up a storm to begin with um that's kind of where i am with this team right now it's about getting that that big hit and and hoping that your pitching isn't on fumes and you know that I, if anything the Texas series 
scared me, not because of the lack of offense, and I've I've come to accept that. I think we all have, but it's you know seeing Trevor Richards walk the park, mm-hmm. is seeing Kevin Gossman, you know, not not looking like a guy that we thought was going to be a Cy Young contender at the start of the year. And the most frustrating thing for me about this team is, you know, for the past couple of years, it's been pretty easy to tell who was in the playoffs and who was out of the playoffs. With the exception of an outlier like the Tampa Bay Rays, all you had to do was go to Fangraphs, Google starting starters innings pitched, and the teams that had the eight fewest innings or the eight most innings pitched from their starters were in the playoffs. Then you Google relievers innings pitched, and by extension, the teams with the eight fewest relief innings pitched were in the playoffs because their pitching was good. Hmm. The Jays right now, now obviously the numbers have changed after the Texas series, but going into the Texas series, they were one of those teams. that This pitching is good enough that historically this team should be in the playoffs. And that's the most frustrating thing for me because leaving aside the mess of the Texas series, uh, yeah, the, I don't think the 2015 Blue Jays had this type of pitching. I don't think the 2016 Blue Jays had this type of pitching. Um, and and that's, that's the thing that really concerns me going into the Boston series. Because you're going to see Brian Bayo, you're going to see Chris Sale. Now, obviously not Chris Sale that we're used to seeing, but still Chris Sale and Nick Pavetta. And, and, and that really concerns me. That, that pitching edge, you know, the thing we said about all the Blue Jays have to do is just get in the playoffs and then, boy, they're pitching so good they can go on a run. We can't even say that now because it's pretty clear that, um, you know, it's pretty clear this pitching staff. I mean, they've just run out of gas. You can only uh, you can only go into a game holding, knowing you need to hold the other team to two runs or less so often before it catches up to you. Like almost every almost every inning these dudes have been pitching has been a high leverage situation, and even with this deep bullpen, it's I mean it's it's caught up the guys. Is that a psychological toll more than it is like a physical toll for the entire no, stuff? Oh God, no! No, I mean it's an absolute physical toll. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think it's got anything to do with with psychology or anything. Well, it's well, just, I, I asked. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. I just asked that because you know you're talking about hey, you know, it's simple what you what you can you can sort in a table of uh, what a playoff team looks like. It's a lot of innings from your starting pitchers. It's it's fewer innings from your relievers. Like it feels like everyone has pitched at a high level, and you haven't needed to be so skewed on one side or the other. But now it seems like everyone collectively has hit a wall. Yeah, and, and and again, that's why that's what makes this so frustrating is the pitching has been good enough for this team to be a playoff team. This this team should be, you know, frankly, this team should be comfortably in the playoffs by now. I don't know if they should be where Tampa Bay is right now, but they could certainly be within three or four games of Tampa Bay. There's no reason, given the pitching, that they couldn't be that good. Um, and and uh, yeah, that's. That is the scariest thing to me about the Texas series. You know, Jay's not hitting. <laughs> Newsflash, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're used to that. Jay's pitching, walking the park. 
Um, you know, Kevin Gossman um, struggling with his delivery. I mean, all that, all that stuff. That's that's you know stuff we weren't seeing two weeks ago. Jeff Blair of a co-host of Blair and Barker, of course. Um, I was listening to you guys yesterday, and uh, you had a good, positive perspective on how you don't believe that this team has quote pulled the shoot. Um, maybe they want it. Maybe they want it too much. Um, I mean, we're all trying to diagnose the mental uh, perspective of how this team is is performing or lack of performance, and it's hard. Obviously, we're not in the clubhouse. We're not down on the bench uh, to feel it. But what are you seeing in terms of the vibe? Is it something that can be fixed with one big hit, one big game tonight? Um, they're just right on the cusp of, of having like a sigh of relief almost. Like we saw that a little bit with Vladdy's homer and then they lose the lead um, and they, they fall behind. But if you do believe that this team still has the push, that they haven't haven't given up on the season, what is the, I guess, the springboard to success? I mean, I don't know. Um, it's late. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. 15 games left. Uh, the, the springboard would be, for me, would be a little bit of run from Vladdy. Uh, and... Um, you know, and maybe maybe Bo getting his timing back. That's the only thing I see. I, you know, God love Davis Schneider. I'm not counting on him to carry uh, the team to the postseason. You know, I have my own thoughts about the lineup. I don't like it right now. Uh, you've got one guy on this team who looks like he's a threat when he comes up to the plate. That's George Springer. I have no idea why this organization doesn't put him back in the middle of the order behind Vladdy. Uh, put Whitmer, I don't care who leads off, put Whitmerfield at the top, put Bolt, whatever you want to do. I've got to get George Springer in the middle of the order or I've got dudes on base. I'll tell you what, I honestly, I'm at the point right now where I'd lead off with Kevin Kiermaier. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's a lefty or righty. I'd lead off Kiermaier. I'd go Bichette. I mean, all all we've heard is... You, you got to push the envelope now. It's go time. We've got to manage aggressively. We got to use the bullpen aggressively. We got to do this. We got to do that. But let's not change the lineup, which is the thing that's been dragging us down for the whole time. That I don't understand. Uh, you know, would it look like panic? Sure. You know why? Because it's panic time, and I, I just don't. I don't get why that move hasn't been made i'm sure there's you know there's somebody in the front office with a spreadsheet that will show you that it won't work out it's probably the same person that has the spreadsheet that this team's been using this year and it hasn't worked out so far but i mean that's beside the point the the you know the only thing i have about and i understand it's easy to look in that dugout and i and you know i almost wish that we didn't have camera shots of the dugout because you know what? The team sucks right now. It's supposed to look like a mess in the dugout. Uh, and we, we, we all like to think we're experts in body language. right? We all like to think that we can look at somebody and see how they're acting or how they're not acting. And I made this point about this team often. I, I honestly don't think... That, and I, I think I'm... I'm, I've probably got more cynicism than everybody else at Sportsnet 590 combined, combined about sports. But I honestly don't think that with the rare exception, and I'm talking about guys who are in their late 30s and are basically retiring, um, you know, I, I, don't think, I don't think guys quit. Um, I don't think guys in this team quit. 
They're playing for contracts next year. Matt Chapman, you know, he's going to get a he's going to get a contract. He's going to get a nice contract. But right now, Matt Chapman is playing to impress, hopefully, a good team. I don't think Matt Chapman wants to go back to Oakland in a two-year deal or a three-year deal. Um, you know, Vladdy, we all know, he doesn't have a multi-year contract. I, guys are motivated 99.999% by their own well-being and by the amount of money they're going to earn next year. And I just, uh, most athletes I know because of that, you know, they don't check out. Like I said yesterday, I've seen teams that have. You know, the the dying embers of that 2015-2016 Blue Jays team, they hated each other. Like, trust me. 2016-2017, they were sick of each other. You know, they, Josh Donaldson did not have a whole hell of a lot of friends in that clubhouse by the time it left. Mm. You know, Russ Martin, in his final year, admitted, just kind of, you know, my final year kind of lost interest. It happens. And um, and I don't get that from this team. I, I really don't. I get a team that's really disappointed, really frustrated, and has no idea how they get out of it. I, I, I honestly think these guys have had so much stuff pumped into their brains over the course of the last year, certainly during this season, they just they have no clue what they're about. They have no clue how they get out of it. I was only half kidding last night on Blue Jays talk when I said I'm at the point now where I would just I I just tell the Blue Jays hitting coaches shut up, <laughs> go away, like leave them alone, don't say anything, don't do anything. You know, gentlemen, this is a baseball. It is round, gentlemen. This is a bat. You've got to hit this thing with this thing. <laughs> have a good game uh, because. I mean, that's just, I, I think that's that's where we are with this team. Um, there is something wrong culturally with the way this team uses information and something wrong culturally with the way this team tries to impart that information to the hitters. I mean, we people around the team have kind of been skirting around it for a while. I think Barker and myself have been pretty clear about that. Barker certainly has. He talks mm-hmm. to way more people than I do. But it's pretty obvious what's going on there. And, you know, it's uh, – I had someone – I was out at the park the other day and uh, before a game on the weekend, and I just asked somebody in passing, somebody, a, a player in the team that, you know, I think I know pretty well and somebody that I – um, has no reason not as you know. I didn't my notepad out. I wasn't quoting him. Uh, no reason to BS me. I just said, uh, you know, how are you guys? And he said, Man, we're in a we're not in a good place right now. So take that for what it's worth. What day was that? Out of curiosity, it would have been on Sunday. Not in a good spot after you know seven wins from the last nine games. It's interesting, mm-hmm. like because I I was off. The well, they last know. Couple. Yeah, they they know. <laughs> They know, they know, they know who they are. Like they, they know what's yeah. going on, right? Yeah. Um, uh, you, you know, even though you're, even though you, you've won some games against really bad teams. Like, let's be clear, uh, th- those teams they beat were crap. I mean, there were AAA, four A teams. Every now and then, you ran into a good pitcher. 
which is going to happen. Even a bad team has got one or two good pitchers. But these guys have known for a while what's up. And, um, you know, it's it, it's you know, changes have to be made. It, it's, it's that simple. And um, I don't pretend to know how deep the changes have to be, but they have to be made. Yeah. Do you ever think you would hear people boo Bo and Vladdy? I didn't. I mean, I thought I'd hear, you know, it, it can happen. Teams can have bad games. Um, you know, I've seen, you know, I've seen Hall of Famers get booed. Um, Carlos Delgado used to get booed here when the team wasn't playing well. Uh, so, you know, that, that, I mean, that happens. But something happened this series, and I think it kind of became personal towards those two guys. And mm. that really kind of surprises me. Can't say it disappoints me, but it kind of surprises me. Well, it surprises me and disappoints me that, you know, a team, and this is one guy and this is one casual conversation that, that you, you pointed out there, though, but, like, not being able to see the positives of actually winning ball games at an important time and, and, and believing you're in a pretty dark spot uh, despite those victories is interesting to me. And I, 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 I mentioned you know, I, that. I was, I was just going to jump into, I think Dan Shulman a couple of nights ago, made a comment during a broadcast uh, about how he had talked to a player in the team. And basically the player said, like, are people, are they really, are they, do they think we're better than this? Like, are they, are they, are they really that disappointed? Mm. Uh, players know how good or how bad this lineup is. Oh. They, they really do. And... Um, you know, I, I think maybe what we're seeing now is, I mean, a lot of guys have been carrying that knowledge around all year. Um, yeah, it's, it's 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 kind of it's reached that point where, you know, you you start talking about it. Like, if this team doesn't make the playoffs, the end of year story about this team, I think it make it make it a hell of a book because I think you're I think we're going to find out that um, I think we're going to find out that. There was a lot of stuff um, uh, around this team that that really kind of created this this situation right now. But as I said, I don't I don't think I don't think dudes have quit. I just think dudes are they're just really frustrated. They've got no answers. Their coaches have no answers. The front office has no answers. All they know is that. They're the guys who are getting their asses booed when they go over four. You know, it's not the dudes in the khakis. It's not the coaches. Um, it's not the front office, right? It's it's those guys, those guys that are getting booed. And um, uh, you know, it's um, yeah, it, it's the the deterioration has been shocking. I, uh, yeah, I guess my question, because I want to be, you know, pretty critical of John Schneider. Like we talk about, you know, panic. Uh, I mean, there's steps from casual and the casual nature of a baseball season to all of a sudden September panic. And I think that's urgency. And I just feel like we missed that step from Schneider. But then now with this context, with the fact that, hey, they might be feeling this way collectively and the booze certainly don't help you feel any different. But what hope did John Schneider have if that's the feeling even when winning baseball games? Um. Probably not much. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's yeah. It, even last night, it's funny. I I went back and looked over the game as it was played, and I kept thinking, okay, who was up at the big moments of the game? 
right? Because John, the, I, I guess John Schneider does the lineup. I, I don't, I don't know who has full and final say in anything this team does, to be honest. But you know, go with me in this for a minute. Um, uh, I, I looked at that lineup. And, you know, once the game starts, John Schneider can't go up there and swing the bat for the I mean, you've heard that. That's a little cliche, but it's true. But what he can do is put his guys in position where they can do what they're supposed to do best. The number of big at-bats last night, big in air quotes at-bats, where it was Bo, Vladdy, or even, um, you know, the slightly hot Davis Schneider, where those guys, or Springer, where those guys were coming up. It, I mean, the lineup worked. They had opportunity. They just didn't deliver. And, and there's only so much in this day and age of analytics that a manager actually does. Right? I still think the manager, there's one thing the manager does, and that is make a call on the starting pitcher, make a call on the relievers, probably more so the relievers than starting pitchers because you've got that whole third time through stuff, right? And And... Um, and that's just, I mean, that's a fact of life now. We can rail about why doesn't the manager use his, use his gut and go with his gut. And mind, it doesn't happen. They don't do it anymore. And when they do and it doesn't work out, they generally get fired. Um, but it's how you use the bullpen. And I, I still think, by and large, John Schneider has done about as well as you could expect utilizing his bullpen and his starting rotation. Because I think we're seeing now, now we're seeing why you say Kikuchi was taken out of games a little earlier. Now, right now, we're seeing why some of the dudes in the bullpen weren't used at certain times. We're seeing that because it's obvious that the pitching staff is wearing down now. And I think what John Schneider was really trying to do this year, and, and Pete Walker was say, look. We're not going to say it publicly. We're not getting any offense. This lineup's not good. All right. Now that we've accepted that, how the hell do we protect these guys? How do, how do we milk as much as we can out of these pitchers for as long as we can and hope that maybe mm. somebody gets hot? That's kind of what they've been doing since, since May. Keeping an eye on how the workload is being handled so that Kevin Gossman doesn't run out of gas until the second week of September or Jordan Romano doesn't run out of gas until the second week of September. If that happens, you can't do anything about it. But what you're trying to do is extend that as long as you can in hopes that the lineup catches up. And that just hasn't happened. And, and you know, I there are a couple of things. Putting, you know, sitting Davis Schneider for that one game I mean, if you really want to, I, I guess that's a black mark against John Schneider. Um, I, I don't necessarily see it that way, but, you know, okay, I'm willing to say that, that that wasn't a smart move. Did it cost him a game? I don't know. Uh, you know, using Dalton Varsho in the cleanup spot earlier in the year. I mean, they haven't had a cleanup. They haven't had a cleanup hitter all year. They've had 10 different cleanup hitters. So is that on John Schneider? I don't know. He's used basically everybody with a pulse as his cleanup hitter at some point this year. So, you know what I'm saying? This is, and and I know that it, it's odd. You know what? It used to be when you covered baseball, you used to 
dump on the manager before anybody else. Now, because of everything that's involved in the decision-making process around teams, I don't, honest to God, I don't know how to judge a good manager from a bad manager anymore. I really, I used to, I thought Bob Melvin joining the Padres, I thought was genius. Everybody thought that was genius because everybody likes Bob Melvin. He's a terrific manager. He's managed bad teams, good teams. He's managed teams full of space cadets, you know, guys who are <laughs> smart and making a ton of money, all that. The perfect signing for the San Diego Padres was Bob Melvin as a manager. Old school dude, but still kind of smart enough to use the analytics. How are the Padres this year? So I don't know necessarily how you judge a manager but i will say this um i don't blame john schneider for what i've seen this year as much as i do ross atkins and the front office because they put this team together they honestly thought brandon belt could be the cleanup hitter on a world series team um they bought into what Matt Chapman sold for four, for uh, for four weeks. They hit the trade deadline, and listen, you know, I, I understand. Nobody big moved at the trade deadline. I don't want to ever hear from a general manager that, yeah, we didn't really do what we needed to do, but that's okay because nobody else really did what mm. they needed to do either. Your job is to do what you have to do to make your team win. That's your job. Don't come in and and tell me that. Well, we tried. But it didn't work out. But nobody else did anything either, right? And 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 that's where I keep getting back to this. This is a team with a two hundred and thirty-three million dollar payroll that has had Spencer Horowitz and Davis Schneider hitting cleanup at the most important time of the year. Now, just think about that. I'm not, and I'm not taking anything away from those guys because they've done enough to show that they probably have a place in this organization next year. Maybe even on the – well, they do in the organization. Maybe on the major league roster, although I really don't want to see both Spencer Horowitz and Davis Schneider in here. You've got to do better than that. But my point is, just think about that. A $233 million payroll, the manager's been reduced to throwing darts at the wall and hoping guys who had okay seasons at AAA can come in in September and give this team a boost. That's all you need to know about this lineup. And that ain't on the manager. Right? I, I guarantee you that in meetings before the trade deadline, it was made abundantly clear, abundantly clear to Ross Atkins that he had to do something. And that something was not Paul DeYoung. I think it's interesting perspective that you chatted with Alex Anthopoulos yesterday after the Braves won their sixth straight consecutive division title. Yeah, which was, by the way, we weren't because you know I had we weren't sending a message. Oh, no, no, to the I Blue Jays, know. by you. No, I just, just walked down memory lane. Yeah, uh, well, I'm not I'm not blaming anybody for mm-hmm. that, but we'd we'd set this up with Alex. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I talked to Alex fairly. Mm-hmm. I've known Alex since he was 15. So I talked to him fairly frequently, frequently. And I just say, Hey, when you guys wrap up next week, if you get a chance, can you come on? So, but yes, 
continue. I just wanted to make sure no, that, no, ooh, no. I didn't want that to be, ooh, Blair's, Blair's kind of <laughs> throwing shade pot. at the Blue Jays by no, no, getting no. Alex Anthopoulos on. That's no. not the case. No, it's just, uh, it is an interesting time here with uh, just some heat on sure uh, the is. front office. Uh, we will let you go, though, Jeff. Appreciate your time this morning. Looking forward to Blair and Barker this afternoon and hopefully uh, a really good series for the Blue Jays this weekend against the Red Sox. I mean, maybe they'll be back in the wild card spot in Things Monday. change so quickly, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> and then everything we said the last week, we can just flush and forget about it. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good... Hey, and by the way, by the way, mm. enjoy your skate. Oh, thanks. Oh, God. Hopefully I'm uh, I'm good to walk next week. <laughs> well, okay. if you're not if you're not in on Monday, I'll be a, <laughs> okay. I will be majorly disappointed. Yeah, I'll be concerned as well. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Take Jeff. Care. Appreciate it. Have a great it. weekend. Thanks. Uh, that's Jeff Blair, co-host of Blair & Barker, and our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Disclaimer, I already am not going to be in the office on Monday. It's already pre-arranged. Mm, right, it has, right, nothing right, right. has nothing to do with my skate on Sunday, just so we don't sound the alarms when I'm actually not. That might and work out nice for you, though. Monday was already pre-organized as a day off, and it had nothing to do with this. So just so no, somebody tell Jeff <laughs> so he's not concerned. <laughs> he'll, he'll probably make the assumption. Um, yeah, the Alex Anthopoulos timing just, you know, it just gives you a walk down uh, memory lane. Uh, Braves six. It's a good manager. Six straight consecutive General division. Manager title um we will take a break and get into why i am not involved in the pwhl draft on monday which will be the inaugural big big moment for the girls uh 268 players are eligible to be drafted Haley salvian who will join us after the break from the athletic and of course hockey central sports and i the fan did an incredible 15 round 90 selection mock draft with shana um as well on the athletic and uh there's some interesting selections I scrolled all the way down to the bottom, and I was not mentioned. To, that's okay. You can just do Control F. Yeah, search. For I'll be Mister Irrelevant. That's all right. Uh, Haley Salvian to wrap up our show, and then we have time for a baby wake and rake. So send those in at five ninety five ninety. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The JD Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Important day on Monday for the PWHL as the draft will take place. The CBC headquarters in downtown Toronto. There'll be CBC TV coverage. We'll also be carrying the broadcast on Sportsnet 1 and Sportsnet Plus around 1 o'clock. It will begin and Haley Salvian will be right there to take us through it all. Uh, National Hockey Writer at The Athletic and host of Hockey Central on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Haley, your mock draft was Absolutely detailed, incredible, detailed, uh, in depth, 15 rounds, 90 selections, 268 players to go through, um, compiling something of that sort when some of these players hadn't played and some of these players don't play in Ontario or North America. I'm, I'm just, I'm really impressed with the work you guys put in. It looks pretty great. Oh, I, I hated doing that. (laughs) I don't recommend. Don't do one of those ever. Um, it was, the amount of times I just was like, well, maybe I should switch these two players. But is that like best? Mm-hmm. Just the overthinking mm-hmm. okay, that so, goes into something like that. It's well, just not good. Yeah. 
I, and I, I can definitely go through and I feel like I've, I've picked out a couple as well that I was like, oh, I'm surprised, but I also get it. Like Jocelyn LaRock going at Toronto mm-hmm. for number two. Like I, we know that the draft really doesn't start till number two. Uh, Minnesota has a lock for who they want to add to their team. But Jocelyn LaRock is, a, is an older player, but a staple of the Canadian blue line. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of ways that this draft can really go. So why why did you decide on Jocelyn for number two? And I love Joss. She's a good friend and a hard player mm-hmm. to play against. But um, I think that one was a little bit surprising to me. Yeah, and you know what? And I think I put in there, like, if I was the general manager and I'm picking second overall, mm-hmm. I'm going with Alita Mueller. She's 25 years old. She's a center. She's the first player to ever have five straight Patty Kazmaier finalist um, nominations, like one of the best players in the world. She can drive play, unbelievable offensive talent. Like there's just so much to like about Alina Mueller and she hasn't even hit her prime yet. Um, But I just don't know if I see that happening in Toronto. I think, you know, knowing Gina Kingsbury a little bit, Mm -hmm. her long history with the Canadian women's national team, she was general manager of the team since 2018, I feel like she's going to go with what she knows in that second overall pick. And I think, you know, looking at who she signed in those first three, you know, obviously signing Renata Fast and signing somebody like Blair Turnbull, it looks like there's an obvious, you know, interest in having defensively responsible players on that Toronto team. And there is nobody better um, in Canada than Jocelyn LaRock, other than potentially Renata Fast. And I think with the national team, Canada has the best shutdown pair in the world in Renata Fast and Jocelyn LaRock. And now if Toronto drafts Jocelyn, they'll be able to say the same thing. And no player other than maybe a goalie has played more minutes for Team Canada than Jocelyn LaRock over Kingsbury's tenure with the team. So there's familiarity there. Um, yes, Jocelyn is 35 years old right now, but having a shutdown pair is so valuable and you're going to be getting your money's worth with somebody like Jocelyn LaRock because she can play like 27 minutes a game. So I know people saw that pick and were like, what are you doing? Why, why would you take a 35 year old D second overall? Um, but I think there's a ton of value in somebody like Jocelyn. I also think they could take a goalie. I, I wonder if Toronto takes Kristen Campbell second overall because um, New York doesn't have mm-hmm. a goalie yet and they have the fourth overall pick. So if Gina's like, is is New York going to steal my starter? I think I need to take her now. Like it's there's I have no idea how this is going to go, and it's so exciting. It's like, the fun I think part. It's going to be really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is pretty cool. I mean, the 35 year old is an interesting thing to put second uh, on a mock draft, but we don't know how this is all going to go. Like just as you said, there. I mean, there could be a lot of uh, uh, turnover from year to year. Things could change and look really different in three years when maybe you're not getting the best out of that shutdown pair uh, that you outlined. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I mean, no one knows how this is going to go, but uh, getting that valuable shutdown pair may be the best thing uh, for the immediate term. So intrigue at number two, not intrigue at number one. Let us know why Minnesota's first round pick or first overall pick is a no-brainer. Oh, Taylor Heisey, like, it's hard to have a consensus first overall pick in a draft like this because this is like, this is a fantasy hockey draft. You know, this isn't a typical entry draft. There isn't, you know, big draft boards, et cetera. So I, I think 
The, the general manager of the Minnesota team, for people who don't know, is Natalie Darwitz. She's a legend from Team USA, and she's coached at University of Minnesota over the last two seasons as an assistant. Who's been the best player at University of Minnesota over the last two seasons? Taylor Heisey. 23 years old. She's a rising star. She's from Minnesota. Um, she plays center. She was dominant in the NCAA, 225 points in 172 games. She was the Patty Kazmaier winner in 2022. Uh, she made her debut for the U.S. Women's National Team in 2022 as well, that Women's World Championships in Denmark. And uh, she just casually won MVP in her first ever senior women's national team uh, event. So she's got... She's got, like, dynamic offensive talent. Um, you know, she's got a great shot. She's hard on the puck. She's, like, uh, has a bigger frame. She's 5'10". So she's got, like, power forward um, kind of capabilities. I think there's you, you can build around Taylor Heisey for the next decade and be happy with what you're going to get. So I think the familiarity there, I think it's really important for Natalie Darwitz in Minnesota to have homegrown talent like that. She mm -hmm. says she wants a franchise cornerstone. So to me, it's a no-brainer for Taylor Heisey. I mean, I love Alina Mueller. I think she's great. I think there are some people who would take Alina Mueller or Sophie Jakes, um, you know, a 22-year-old 20, right shot D from Ohio State, one of the best offensive defenders to ever play in, in college hockey. Um, but I think once you put the Minnesota connection together, there's no doubt to me that Taylor Heisey is going first overall. So if you look a little lower down the list, or I mean, obviously not with Alina Mueller uh, as the first international player, but there's some PHF and there's a lot of international flair uh, mm -hmm. throughout the draft. I, I guess that's a that's a really inspiring thing because uh, 268 people have qualified to have uh, to be drafted and it's not just Canada, United States. So I guess it's a good look at the, the state of hockey and a good look that the PHF players have found a way to be involved and it isn't the big divide that we had thought previously could be the case. Totally. I mean, I think people who were reporting that PWHPA players were going to have an inside track, like mm -hmm. it wasn't because they're in the PWHPA, it's because all the Olympians were in the PWHPA. Like, I think when you just think objectively, like, yeah, the first 25 people who sign or get drafted into this league are going to be the ones who won gold medals at the Olympics last year. Um, that's not because of where they played. That's just because they're the best players in the world. If we believe that the national team is, is the best of the best. Um, but of course there's going to be a ton of THF players. There's going to be international players. And I think like seeing where they end up going, um, seeing what teams maybe. um, you know, quote unquote, go rogue a little bit. You know, I wonder who's going to be the first team to go for um, a Lauren Gable or a Kennedy Marchment, like players who haven't been on national team rosters in the last few years. Um, who's going to think outside the box a little bit and say, like, I'm not going to go with somebody who was on the world championship roster last year. I'm going to go with this, like, younger player who showed a lot of promise in the PHS last season. I think we're going to see a lot of college players in the mix again. Um, they're the younger players, especially if you're Toronto and you're drafting, you know, an older veteran defender in the first round and, and also, you know, signing some veteran players. You know, Blair Turnbull's in her 30s. I think she's 30 now. You know, I think we're going to see some teams trying to offset that kind of veteran um, or that age with some of these like standout NCAA players. There's just so much talent in women's hockey. And, you know, of course, there's going to be 
so many players who don't get drafted or don't sign. There was 268 who declared. Like, that's a huge talent pool. Um, but I think some of the, like, standout PHF players, I mean, Lauren Gable's a big one. She is at Canada camp right now. She's got a wicked, deceptive shot, like a really good offensive talent. I think she could go in the first, you know, three, four rounds. Elizabeth Shagara is someone I'm really looking out for in this. I think she's, like, she's probably one of the best college hockey players ever. And she's so slept on at this point in her career. And I think that's because she hasn't cracked one of those mm-hmm. Canada rosters yet. Um, it can be so hard for college forwards to break out onto the national team with, you know, Marin Philippe Poulin ahead of you on the depth chart. Like, you're just not going to be the top line center. Um, and I think it takes an adjustment for players. But Jaguar is only one season away from being one of the best players in college hockey. I mean, she won the Patty Kaz. Um, and she is sixth all time in NCAA scoring. Uh, 295 points in 177 games. Like, just. She's got the vision. She's got the hands. I I really hope that a team takes a swing at the upside that she brings instead of just saying like, well, she has not. She didn't, wasn't at World Championships, so I don't know. I think if somebody makes a smart bet on Elizabeth Shagir, they're going to be pretty happy. And and I think there's a ton of players we can go down the list and and, and say for that for sure. Okay, so quickly, Haley, before we let you go, uh, Monday hopefully is a day that we also learn a little bit more about the P, uh, the PWHL, maybe some names, some logos, locations, head coaches. Are you anticipating any other information with this big, massive uh, gathering of everybody on Monday afternoon? I don't know if we're going to have logos or jerseys. Um, I, I really I, I think the trademarking process is, is pretty long and irritating. Um but you, you can't push the draft back to wait for that because players mm-hmm. need to know where they're going to live in November. Um, but I do think we're going to get some coaches like today. Nice. Okay. Because <laughs> I think that if we don't have, I don't know, imagine like a coach is sitting at the draft table or something and like oh. they haven't been announced. You're just like, oh, who's that? Why are they there? That's a, so that's a I big stretch. I think we'll hear coaches. Okay. Well, uh, best of luck on Monday. It's going to be awesome. CBC's TV coverage of the PWHL draft on Monday. We're also carrying the broadcast on Sportsnet One and Sportsnet Plus. We're looking forward to seeing it all unfold, hopefully a little chaos. And uh, congrats again on on just this incredible coverage you guys have done so far and looking forward to see what else is to come. Thank you. See you on Monday. Yes. That's Haley Salvian, national hockey writer at The Athletic, host of Hockey Central and Sportsnet 960 The Fan. And we'll be there for CBC's TV, TV coverage, um, which will be streaming as well. Starts at 1 p.m. on Sportsnet 1 and Sportsnet Plus. We'll have rounds 1 to 4 airing live. I want names. I understand the trademarking process and jerseys and logos, but can we get a name? I would be surprised if they do something like like Monday, like you're getting drafted to the Montreal. Yes, yes, yeah. Whatever it is. Blanks. Do you know? You got some friends? I don't actually know anything. Haley knows way more than me. And if your, she doesn't know, then I don't know. Your allegiances, by the way. Like, are you going to be oh, you missed it split last, Jersey, last Montreal, week, Toronto? I, we had Sarah Durst on, and I straight up told her. That you're um, a Montreal fan? I said, Sarah, um, I'm going full heel, heel here, and I am pledging my allegiance to the Montreal team. Wow. I said, but you get 30 seconds to give me an elevator pitch. She did a pretty good job. What was her pitch? Well, that I'm Sarah Nurse. But that helped. But Bunker, my dog, already likes her dog Romeo. And, you know, we can go for walks. And, you know, we're right in the city. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, we'll think about it. But it's really going to shake out how these rosters go on Monday. You can, yeah, I guess, yeah, there's a couple other variables there. I mean, there might be some friends drafted to Toronto, maybe more to Montreal. But uh, I, I think you could be supportive of both teams. I think we could too. But we'll see.
See how it all shakes out. I'm hoping for a little chaos. Um, Okay, so let's do a quick wake and rake before we say goodbye for the weekend. Wake up! Now it's time for wake and rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. To be blunt, I think I have lost every single bet this week, so... Let's flip the script so like the Blue Jays. My, how did it go like last week? I don't remember. You Just, don't seem I raced, overly. I raced last week for my brain. Optimistic. I'm ready for today though, because I'm going to take like a very cowardly pick that is basically in the. That's not the way to bump a slump. Justin, I don't want to hear it. Astros money line <laughs> over the Royals. It's a okay. gross number, but I need to win What's one the thing. It was at one. Uh, minus 180, and now it's at minus 195. Oof, barely, I don't care. Barely in the threshold. I don't care. Christian Javier on the bump. I don't care. Give it to me and Houston's let me win losing. one thing. Exactly. Houston's so I'm putting that in the... Wait, sometimes you just need to win. You don't need to win $1,000, but a plus money is fine in the end. It's parlay. Or just not be the trap door. Go ahead. What's yours? Uh, I'm going with the Chicago Chicago Cubs. Excuse me. Uh, Justin Steele is trying to pitch for a Cy Young in the National League. Uh, it's probably the only award market in all of baseball that's still up in the air. And we got two weeks to go. So this start is pretty meaningful mm-hmm. for Justin Steele. Uh, he's in Arizona. Uh, I'm just going to ride the hot hand, the guy who might be the most dominant pitcher in the National League by the end of the year with some incentive. Steel minus 140. The Cubs beat the Diamondbacks today. Okay. The Eric from Burlington. Good morning. Who else heard those next level boos from last night? Well deserved. Eagles pick got ruined by the fake Vikings comeback Raptor style. Tonight I'll take the Astros run line. They go from playing the <laughs> Athletics to the Royals. These two teams are terrible and the Astros will start racking up the wins. Hell yeah. Morning, Eels and Justin. Welcome back. Hope you had an amazing vacay. Uh, happy Friday. Why not bring the home run jacket back to bring a little spark to the clubhouse? Just a thought. I'm going Jay's money line. A simple win leading into the weekend. Have a great one, Courier Chris in Orangeville. Oof. Good morning, Big E, Eric in Burlington. Tonight, I like the Jays game over eight and a half. Rays minus one and a half over the Orioles and the Rangers money line at 125 against the Guardians. Have a great day. Disappointed sigh. Barrios over five and a half Ks. Have a great weekend. TJ in sadness. Mm. Brandon from Keswick, two and one last night. I know. Today, I like the Cubs minus one and a half. Braves minus one and a half. Yankees Pirates under seven and a half. Good morning. It's Corey from Port Hope here. For my wake and rake pick, I'll take the Reds on the money line over the Mets. And okay, that was all that came in. Perfect. Whew, lots there. Lots there. Um, I I'm letting you pick because I don't even want to touch this. I feel like Texas is feeling it right now. Feeling it as in feeling it in a good way. Okay. I mean, based on the last four nights, so um, straight win um, over the Guardians. Yeah, I mean, the Guardians they can pitch. Should probably look at who's on the bump for Cleveland. Uh, but I think Texas has found something here. I think I think the the Blue Jays helped them find their stroke just a little bit. I think that offense might carry them through. I, I might so go Biggie, Rangers Eric money line. and Burlington, Rangers money line minus one twenty five. Let's do it. Yeah, I think that's a good one. <sighs> Giolito on the bump. We've for got the Guardians. three straight money line picks. Simple, effective, easy. Cubs money line, Astros money line, Rangers money line plus three seventy six. So I, I don't lower it too too much. That's that's totally acceptable. The Blue Jays still favorites. If I had to play anything Blue Jays, maybe it would be Barrios K's. Uh, the yeah, confidence in them turning this around in short order. Kind of rises on him. And playing some uh, minus money. Yeah, Barrios, Barrios needs to be good. Barrios needs to be good tonight for the Toronto Blue Jays against Brian Bayo in the Boston Red Sox. Okay, 707 first pitch. You got that on Sportsnet, of course. And a big weekend of NFL games. Uh, we didn't pick any picks, but it's going to be nice to sit down on that couch, probably icing... A lot of body parts after my Sunday morning skate and lay horizontal 
and maybe wear one of those beer helmets that pour the beer, like put the funnel in your mouth. Yeah, that'll help be, you for next week. Just laying flat. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be nice. It'd be good. I'm excited for it. No, you're set up for a perfect Sunday. I hope so. If you survive. I survive. I'm actually going to see uh, Noah Khan as well on Sunday night. Good concert. Oh, boy. (laughs) If I can stand. Actually, I think I got seats at Bud Stage. Usually I'm on the lawn, but I splurged. You might not be able to get up if you're seated for (laughs) too long. I'll just be like, uh, somebody carry me home afterwards. Uh, It's going to be a good weekend. Um, Go my team. I should have put them in the, the... What's the pick for Ailish on Sunday morning? Anytime goal scorer? If, what do you yeah. put in the line? Anytime goal scorer, quick, before uh, we go. Anytime goal scorer plus oh, 285. 285. Plus 285. I'm that. Okay. Smash that. Uh, all right. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll be back Monday. Actually, I won't be back Monday. Justin will be back Monday. I'll be back Tuesday, hopefully. <laughs> Have a good one.